This week, we discuss Giants. I'm John. And I'm Ben. Welcome to the Fringe Podcast. Hey Ben, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, John? I'm glad. Glad. Uh, I'm glad. I'm good. <laughs> I'm uh, glad we could get together on a beautiful Saturday. Yeah, it is very nice. What are we doing in here instead of out there? I don't know. Probably uh, so people can hear a little bit better. I yeah. think you'd hear birds and all of nature, which is really nice. But yeah. Um, well, I think we we're going to discuss a good. Good one today, Giants. Yeah, Giants. I'm excited. I've ever since I was a kid, I've st- looked at this, and uh, my dad was like one that really was, I would say, um, instrumental in this because he was big into the Giants and the Nephilim and all in the Old Testament and how um, we would. Uh, he would discuss it with people that would come over or anything like that and it just it just was a as a kid growing up all these you know imageries in my head and i just got a love for it Mm -hmm. and the older i got the more i looked into it i i was probably not like most pastors kids that you know didn't get uh, exposed to this kind of stuff. I did, and it was, it was real. And he believed it, and you know, that's what made it an impact on me. Yeah. So, but well, I, and my grandma, she would share some stuff on you know Revelation and some of the stuff in the early, you know, in Genesis a little bit. She gave a little bit of detail, but I know she didn't really. I don't know if Nephilim or Giants or anything like that was like under her radar. But yeah. She always did say it was, she believes, supernaturally tied together. You know, um, what is really cool is that it's all through history of mankind or Giants everywhere. I, yeah. It's in every facet of history giants and you can't just oh it's fake it's a myth with every story there's truth well and going on that i mean i'm going to touch a little bit on some of the norse giants so ben i think since you have more uh, more familiar with the kind of the concepts that we're going to look at today i thought it'd be nice to let you kind of okay lead on that okay um one thing you know when uh we started talking about this. I remember uh, the Three Stooges meet Hercules, and there's this scene in the movie where they are fighting the Cyclops, and they give it. They created these what were called calm down pills, and they were like taking a slingshot and shooting it in the mouth of the Cyclops, and it gets sleepy and falls asleep. Um, but you know, people think of giants kind of like that, or Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, you know, like this big bumbling oafs or yeah you know and that's not what they were at all that's not that's not what they're portrayed 
not only throughout mo like many cultures, but also you know through our through our history. It's not that seems to be more of a modern yeah you know application and uh, probably the best description of a giant was when David went and fought Goliath. I mean they had the weight of his armor, his sword, his shield, his helmet, his spear of how massive he was compared to just a normal size. Now, how big was he? Because when I was kind of looking, a lot of them tried to say he was like six foot yeah. two. Um, yeah, that's that's the modern because modern view of things. Because um, a lot of schools teach today that um, Seth's daughters married or Seth's sons married Cain's daughters and that's where they came from. So it totally takes away the, these supernatural yes, components the, more just strictly two different classes of people having it, kids. Yeah, how do kissing cousins get uh, like 35, 36 feet tall? That's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. I mean, yeah. that that doesn't happen. It's. I mean, you would get way more deformities that would deform you and not in a sense like no one... I mean, there is giganticism. Giganticism? Yeah. yeah. I'm not exactly sure like what that is. I, I think it's Andre a, the Giant had it. Yeah, it's a, a tumor on your pituitary gland that just like it pretty much shuts off your uh, growth gene, and it just continues to like it turns. It's like says no, you're going to keep growing, and you keep growing. Like, um, well, what's interesting about that is like okay, now that you just said that, okay, if that's actually a medical proven thing. Wouldn't there not be a chance that that was even more streamlined way back in when? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you think of, like, mankind years and years of reproducing. I mean, we can trace it pretty much all the way back to a, an origin point. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That, I mean, eventually, just by constantly multiplying, you're going to get more, Yeah. you know, breakdowns in health and issues like just years and years of the best example that I can think of is the liger. Have you ever heard of that? Lion and tiger? Yes. And what happens is in one of them, I can't remember if it's the male or the female, the gene that controls the growth is shut off so it continues to grow for the for its entire adult life. And they get like I think the one I think the one that they have I can't remember if his name's Hercules or Samson. It is like 12 feet long, and it weighs like almost 2,000 pounds. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Yeah, and so obviously there is some sort of See, genetic... I've not, I've not even looked that up. The only thing I ever knew of Liger was from Napoleon, or Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. It's a Liger, jeez. Yeah, and... Um, but that that's true, and they have like... it. it I, can't, I think it just... I mean, it's recent, like within the past twenty years. But it's in our, it's in the genes, definitely in the genes. So and we're not talking Levi's. No, and something happened about four or five thousand years ago in the genes, and what that was was. Huh. You think it'd be longer than four thousand? Um. Well, no, because. They were locked up three well three thousand years, 
and you count 70 generations, and that would put us at 1900 when they were. I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting ahead of us. I'm getting ahead. I'm doing. I'm doing uh, <clears throat> mental math. <laughs> I don't do mental math. <laughs> Out it loud. Be mental. Uh, um, yes. No, I mean when I was doing some study on uh, giants, one thing that came to mind with me because I've done a little bit studying research in Norse mythology, and I don't even like really using the words mythologies because I think it's more than just myths. I don't think people just hint like, "Ooh, this is the first papyrus we could ever write. What can we write? Let's write a myth down." Yeah, let's, let's write a you know. I know words and stories that have application and meaning, and those change over history. But I think I think those are more. You know, when it gets to the point of writing written down, I mean, it's already been talked about for a long time. Oh, yeah. Of course, now, then you have the the telephone effect. You yeah, know, yeah. You could tell someone one thing, and it kind of changes, and it becomes its own thing over time. We totally see that with even more today. A lot of the fairy tales today, a lot of them are Disney, you know. They're all di- like Disney fairy tales. Oh, yeah. But they, they, they but were all came they, from something. Well, that, but it, they were all... A lot of them were cautionary yeah. about being mindful and weary of these other things. So what I'm going to talk about a little bit is the giants of the Norse mythology. Oh, yeah. Discuss, so. But what I like about this is, like you said, it's not it's not myth. History, I think we, living in the Western world, we tend to explain everything away, like you were saying. Yeah, we lost the sense of our mysticism and yes. like the things we can't fully explain. We gotta, in order to have control over it, we gotta be able to explain it. And yes. Then, and when you can't explain it, it's then it's fake. Then it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, like yeah, whatever. Um, but what I like about this is it gives credence to what I'll discuss a little bit. Yeah. All right. So now, as we look into Norse legend. We will talk about the first giant, Emir. Uh, Emir was fed nourishment from a big cow called Aduhumla, and it gave him nourishment. And when he slept, he was a Aphroditic giant, so he would spring up more giants from his legs and armpits. The cow received her nourishment from a salt brick, and as she licked it, it being named Buri, which was the first of the Assyrian gods was freed from within it, and they he had a son. He produced a son, Bor, who had mated with Besla, one of Ymir's descendants. From their union came Odin, who was the chief of the Assyrian, and his two brothers, Vili and Ve. They then slew Ymir and fashioned his cosmos from his corpse, and we see this in the poetic Edda. From Ymir's flesh, the earth was created, and from his sweat, or in some translations, blood, the sea, mountains from bone, trees from hair, and from his skull, the sky. From his eyebrows, the blithe gods made Midgard home of the sons of men, and from his brains, they sculpted the grim clouds. It's not exactly clear from what I've seen of why they killed him, but in any case... As they, as the three gods tore him to pieces, a vast deluge of blood burst forth. This blood became all the world's oceans, and a torrent swept away every giant, except for one family who escaped in the wooden ark. Convenient. And the role between the giants and the gods joined together 
in this creation story for them. Not necessarily dualistic, but they believe like there's this cosmic balance between destruction and creation, and it kind of continues, continually verges uh, back and forth all throughout until the end when another giant, Surt, um, with the help of Loki and the undead, bring upon the end of the destruction of creation itself. But instead of like kind of living forever in that sense, creation re- begins new. Because they saw, you know, a lot of... It's more of an animistic mindset. They see the divinity in the gods. They see the divinity in nature. They see it in themselves. That is something I will say that, as, as a Christian, I feel we've lost that, that touch with nature. And we've almost used it as a way to subdue nature, our status, rather yeah. than work in harmony. Which yeah. is what kind of... The whole point was with Adam and Eve to help cultivate and work within the harmony of nature, God, and themselves. We see that whole fragment break down in the garden, but that's not what we're talking about. You know, can I say something? Mm-hmm. Um, this is very interesting. Uh, my wife and I were discussing this the other night. She sent me a video of the theology of animals and do animals have souls? And so we were just, you know, it's a very interesting thought. And we watched this video. It's like a short seven, eight minute video. Like we watched it at separate times, but then we were discussing it and the fact that um, I think it was John Wesley you know great minister when they started this was back in the 1700s they started doing experiments on animals and his thing was okay if they do it on animals how longer are they going to be doing it on humans because he viewed animals like part of the theology they had souls if they were living and breathing and that goes back to what you were just saying we have dissected the soul out of everything except for humans except for humans except for humans except for humans but when you were talking about emir it made me think of enoch and um, the book of enoch actually and after the giants were born uh, in the book of enoch it said all the giants or the giants consumed all the work and toil of men and when men could no longer sustain them the giants turned against them and devoured mankind and they began to sin against birds beasts and reptiles and fish to devour one's flesh and to drink the blood then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones now that is so funny because of the poem that you read made me think of that because here is this creator of Norse legends and matches with what the giants were doing in Enoch and for those of you that have or have not looked at Enoch it's a good look even if you discredit it you still need to look at it because it is the foundation of so much other legends well I mean it's part of Second Temple Judaism, which Christ, the disciples, Paul, you know, even other early church saints, I mean, they, they knew those texts. You can't say, well, it's not biblical. Well, other, other secondary texts that became biblical, but Psalms, Ecclesiastes, you know, Job, you know, yeah. that they know. Jesus quoted from Enoch. Uh, Jude is copy and paste of Enoch. So, yeah. you know. Uh, he, Peter talks a little bit about it. I yeah. Mean, he, he has familiarity with it. But as we go into look at looking into these things uh, from uh, the biblical side, 
what you need to keep in mind is that it happened. It's history. It's just not child's fantasy or bedtime stories. It's obviously ingrained in ancient cultures and even today still. Well, there's a resurgence in it now. Yes, there, in, there in is. In a lot of these things, and I think there's a reason for it. Yes, there's a lot of key scriptures. Another one I'd like to share is from the New Testament, if I can find my mark. It is from Matthew chapter 16. And a lot of people kind of wonder why, you know, why is Jesus who Jesus is? Like what's, you know, what's the big deal with Jesus? I think some people wonder, and I know Son of God is a huge, huge, you know, redeemer, but the fact that he can lay claim to something that nobody else can. And when this happened, this when this conversation took place, it was at a very key geographical point in everything. Everything culminated for this one point. And it was at Caesarea Philippi. And if you know where that is, that is where Mount Hermon is. And Mount Hermon is where the 200 watchers in Enoch came down. Yeah. And, and so they had all these idols and all of these monuments built there to all these gods if you will yeah and so when G- jesus asks peter who do you say i am and peter says you are the christ the son of the living god he was putting his stamp on the fact that what happened those years before was finalized and jesus was saying right and he like reclaimed Yes. What was taken away. Yes, he reclaimed, he reclaimed, and what he was getting ready to do was reclaim humanity that yeah. was lost. We lose this, the sense of, like, Christ being, like, think of Super Saiyan Goku, but for humanity. Like, he's the defender yes. of humanity, while, you know, the Watchers and the Nephilim and all them sought to destroy man, you know, and corrupt it, corrupt the bloodlines of man, and then all of a sudden you get this reference with the ark we miss so much because we always just view what happened with the flood as just part of the the fall of man and you know adam and eve in the garden and that's only a small blip yes what's so interesting the fact that when he reclaimed when he was putting his stamp on reclaiming humanity he was saying all those other gods all those other idols were void he defeated those gods and he undone the curse that was on humanity from them and the destruction they did and all the terrible things that was done from the past and he gave us redemption yeah i want to go back where i read in enoch but i actually want to go to the genesis account of this um because it really i think people and i'm saying people in general like just a general statement um, especially a lot of people outside of the church don't understand why things happened and why God did what he did. Because in Genesis chapter 6, it says, in verse 4, it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. So when I was a kid and I would read that, heroes of old, and you understand the quote-unquote mythologies. Of Greek and Roman yes, mythology. And what you were talking about with the Norse. Everybody knows who Thor and Odin are. And if you look at the biblical text, they would be giants. Thor and Odin would be giants. 
like just like the Norse said, they were giants. They, well, and even in in Norse mythology, they even say that all giants are created equal. Like we we like to think that them all being like huge. Yeah. But some of them, like Thor, Odin, Loki, they were human size. Yeah. With insane strength and all these other um, things. And today, Peru, the Krakus skulls, the elongated skulls, those would have been giants as well. I don't know if you've seen those or no, not. They are, they are they're egg-shaped, the skulls, and that's like the most I would say recent race of giants or yeah. hybridization. Well, we're discussing that right now. I mean, while it's kind of looked at like, you know, what this is kind of more fringe topic of biblical oh, yeah. studies. However, you know, ancient aliens i mean their whole premise is oh yeah these aliens from outer you know other worlds coming and create all the stuff look a punka punka and all like all these other temples and the stuff that can't be like how they moved it how they did this technology we don't fully understand and we try to relate they try to correlate it with aliens yeah but really that's more of a fabrication than what actually even that, with recorded history even myths today that, say that is that gets thrown out the window because just looking at history Obviously, some something supernatural came beyond down. our understanding started and altered the course of history, and yes. we are trying to figure out the pieces. I think the um, like it's about five thousand years ago, is what they say, and it altered the DNA by seven percent when they did this, and they said that is the largest. Most scientists say that's the largest jump in quote unquote evolution that's ever happened. So. Obviously, something happened, and it all traces back to uh, Genesis 6. Actually, it started in uh, Enoch, chapter 6. And then you get all of these stories of these giants coming down. At, not giants, Being but... Being birthed from birth, the birth, yes, women from, and the watchers. From Yes, from the uh, the sons of God. Like I said earlier, Goliath... And so you're, so you're going to have some that are, yeah. you know, like some... Giants mentioned in the Book of Enoch are, you know, 450 feet. Oh, yeah. And well, all of a sudden, you get some of that depiction of that with Norse mythology or some of Greek mythology. Yeah. You either disprove it all or you prove that there's a connection to all. Yes. And it just depends, I guess, on how you view that. Yeah, and I was saying, Goliath, you know, he he was a little guy. I think he was, like, probably 9 to 12 feet tall. Og of Bashan, he was uh, one of the kings that the children of Israel had to conquer when they went into the promised land his bed was 14 feet long i mean that was he would have had to been at least 14 feet tall yeah that's a big dude i mean and so they weren't joking or like they're not stretching the imagination when yes. they're writing this stuff down and um and i think it was uh, amos said they were as tall as cedar trees now a short cedar tree is 35 feet tall some cedar trees get to uh, three four hundred feet tall uh, you know, if you've uh, been out to California and see the redwoods, those are a form of cedar tree. Those get four, like 350, 400 feet tall. I mean, they are huge. Yeah. And I well, could imagine being chased down by uh, somebody that big. There, there is, <clears throat> There's so much truth in history that we overlook. And, and I think part of it, we really do look through it through Western eyes in Genesis where Abraham goes to war to get Lot back after he's kidnapped with Sodom the four and, the four and five king army those were giants those were all giants that that whole battle is just really just like mentions kind of in Genesis and then it goes away 
but it was an epic battle. It would have been like Lord of the Rings meets C.S. Lewis. You know, if they were to um, do an archaeological dig around the Salt Lake, they would probably find everything from that battle because that's where it was. And so it's... Salt Lake. I'm sorry, the uh, Dead Sea. Dead Sea, uh, Dead okay. Sea, yeah, Salt Lake, Dead Sea. Yeah. yeah. We have one of those, too, out west, If you, you know, but nothing happened. Well, I guess stuff does happen out there, doesn't it? Yeah. UFOs and... Stra- uh, Skinwalker Ranch is in Utah, right? Yeah. Right around there? Right, yeah, Wyoming, I think. So. There's also monoliths out there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny how things happen. Yeah. These, but, l- these little tidbits that we can't explain and we just kind of... Yeah. Let them go rather than like trying to correlate a pattern. Yeah. Oh, it's it means nothing. Uh, you know, what's the the droids you look are looking for here or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Yeah. The evidence you're trying to find does not exist, but if you look hard enough, you'll find all kinds of evidence all around proof that uh, there is divinity in everything. Yeah. You know, when you was just talking about, you know, seeing the divinity and everything, and there's, like, this proof of giants, um, there is some modern discussion about that. A man named Stephen Quake uh, called in the, on a radio show, Coast to Coast, if oh, you know yeah. who that is, yeah. or Bell. Like, that was one of my favorite things when I had to work early in the morning. But this person called in to talk about a U.S. Army squad that went missing I, in 2002. Heard I've heard this, yes. He had said that the occurrence was still classified and that the Army refused to talk about it. There's no giants here. Yes. According to his story, a special ops task force was sent to see what had happened to some of the soldiers who hadn't returned from a mission. The rescue crew were walking along a ragged mountain ridge when they came across a large cave. The cave entrance was littered with broken military equipment. And as they were getting ready to investigate into the cave, a 12-foot-tall man emerged from the darkness. It had red hair and a beard, six fingers on each hand, and had two rows of teeth in its large mouth. It was wearing clothing of animal skin, and it had a repugnant smell of dead bodies. It was known as the Kandahar Giant, because yes. that's where it was found, yes. located, or allegedly located. And they began to attack the soldiers, managed to impale one of them with a spear. And, and as this kind of happened, they came out probably quickly, stabbed the first guy that was closest, and then they all just unloaded fire for 30 yep. seconds until it was killed. It was reported, they fired upon it, they killed it, it was loaded into a helicopter, and whisked away never seen again the soldiers had involved had to sign a non-disclosure couldn't report anything uh they had to remain silent however this guy broke his vow of silence and said that people needed to know could that have been uh i believe it was a giant i've I've heard i mean i've heard this story you know i believe it was i mean they there's a lot of thoughts to believe that they would be underground or in areas that we can't I mean, if if we look at the gene, like the word, like the giant gene that would be in the DNA. Now, I'm gonna go off, just kind of give my thoughts. You know, if there is a gene, and and when God flooded the earth, and so obviously it was in the daughter-in-laws of Noah, his sons' wives. There is a 50/50 chance that there will be a giant born that way. Rather than because well that makes sense because I was thinking like why only the women but 
because the bloodline yes. had to remain pure. Yes. And that's why there's so much lineage in the Bible. Yes, the bloodline remained pure, but um, but with the, the wives, you know, when they have a son, it's 50-50 chance. There was good, and then there was bad. But wherever there is a heart of repentance, there is a chance for redemption. Yeah. That is the key. There, There is forgiveness. But going back to this modern giant... So if that's in his DNA and he, you know, and let's say it keeps going, yeah, I believe that they're giants today because it's it's ingrained in us, just like diabetes is genetic. Yeah. Well, and especially as they're studying more of the gene manipulation and using genes for, like, other things. There's finding genes in other animals and being able to use that to help. Well, that would go back to... All creatures were corrupt back in Genesis 6 and then back with the fall. The, the watchers, it said all flesh had became corrupt. So that means they were mingling with... Well, everything. at first it was with humans, them and humans, and then it switched. And yeah. Then, and so, okay. I mean, when you think of history and mythology, you think of centaurs and minotaurs. Yes. And, you know, we always... oh, But then we have this source that is historically... I mean, rooted in yes. tons of theology. Now, going back to Abraham, the the guy that he bought the lot off of for Sarah's body, his name meant fawn-like, hmm. so he was a fawn. Now, they don't talk about that in church. They don't talk about that from the um, Sunday school. You don't learn, oh, what'd you draw today, Johnny? I drew a little fawn. <laughs> he yeah. sold it to Abraham. Yeah. But, um, no, that is... I think that's a lot of people's issues is because they don't understand why God wanted purity because when his image gets corrupt, all kinds of forbidden things are open. And through the the corruption, we needed redeemed because we were sentenced to death. I mean, it was an awful thing that happened. Because of the things that occurred, we had fell out of life, out of yeah, out of God's holy sacred place. Yeah. Prior to everything with the fall and Adam and Eve, we was contingently going to live forever because we were in the presence of the divine, of the Creator. Yeah, we were. We will discuss in later episodes to try to give you more of a background of the fall of Eden, the Watchers, and more info on them. Yeah. And also the Tower of Babel, because I feel like. With those three, you get a better first century perspective in the influence of the culture and in the Second Temple Judaism. Yeah, and we still might come back and discuss the giants more because there's still... um, There's lots. I mean, we just kind of scratched the surface of the giants in in the scripture and in ancient texts. Yeah, I mean, there's a trajectory of giants all the way from about every culture. And it's more than just big, big, tall people it's I, I believe it's anything that is altered its image that was it intended is a giant because the image was corrupt as far as um, a manator or a centaur or a fawn those were corrupted images just as a giant a man being big his you know he was distorted it's more of an abnormality it's abnormality yes yes because then that is it's not what it was supposed to be. I don't think a bull was supposed to be part man or a horse was 
supposed to be a part man or a mermaid or whatever whatever yeah. myth or legend there is out there there's truth to it because of what happened to the human race yeah about 3000 years ago 4000 years ago basing that off of Enoch is said on you know you'll be in chains for 70 generations and then all of a sudden around the 1900s there's this huge boom of technology and, and so, wars and wars and, and ideologies everything. and um, that was one thing when I was a kid my dad oh I you know all of these people think this is something new that that they had I, I knew this stuff when I was a kid thanks to my dad like I said before um, he would talk about this and he was like well you know 70 generations you know and that's about uh, the year 1900 when they were released now do we see do we see them physically no but we can see what they're doing in the physical world yeah i agree because they're still seeking to destroy man yes they're still seeking to devour them and that's when christ was doing the ministry and all that and all the people being possessed by these demons these spirits and they're like who are you know what are you to do with us jesus of nazareth you know yeah they're the disembodied spirits of these nephilim giants that have been killed they have nowhere to go so they gotta roam that's some right. of them had to be chained up some of them were released but they ultimately knew who christ was as this victorious defender of humanity and they wanted no part of that yeah We um, really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We thank all the listeners that came out the last few weeks to uh, support us, friends and family. Please email us at fringeclub2023 at gmail. If you have anything you'd like to talk about or discuss, we are hoping to maybe at the end of the, you know, we're aiming for, I think, around 10 episodes or so for yeah. our first season and kind of see, look back and see where we can improve or what people, you know, what you would like to learn about as well. Like through Facebook Messenger on the uh, our Facebook page. Yeah. So like us on Facebook. Uh, welcome to the Fringe Podcast. It's on Facebook. And then you can also email us at fringeclub2023 at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Ben. We'll see you next time on Welcome to the Fringe. God bless.